Japan by River Cruise is made possible thanks to those who donate to the show at JapanByRiverCruise.com and due to the generosity of our corporate sponsors. This week's show is brought to you by the Save an Athlete's Dream Fund. Here at the SAD Fund, we've campaigned relentlessly to prevent the cancellation of the Tokyo Olympics and thereby keep alive the dreams of our Olympic athletes. But now, there's a new threat on the horizon. The threat of a spectatorless Olympics and we need your help. Our solution? We're collecting submissions from Olympics fans to help us recreate, if not the revenue opportunities of a packed Olympic stadium, the feel of one. And that's why we've taken a cue from other pandemic-stricken sporting events, and we're gonna fill our stands with life-size photo printouts. To achieve maximum realism, we're seeking photo submissions of Korean people wearing t-shirts that say doctor, drunk Americans making fun of male rhythmic gymnastics, and 150,000 people who have passed out from heat stroke. We'll also need you to send us your trash, so we can litter your part of the stands with it and give the domestic media a jumping off point to discuss different standards of cleanliness worldwide. We're asking for your help because the matter is urgent, and Olympics needs a crowd. Because an Olympic athlete being awarded a bronze medal for field hockey should never be made to feel, even for a moment, like it's a meaningless achievement. Hello, Brian, and welcome back to Japan by River Cruise. I'm Bobby Judo. And I'm Ollie Horn. And joining us this week is Nick Sass, publishing editor of Fukuoka Now, host of Kyushu Live, where I recently joined him for a walking tour of my favorite river cruise in Imajuku. Nick, my apologies about that. You were right. A walking tour of a river cruise was not the best idea. Still, thank you for being here. Hey, no, it's great to be here, guys. On this week's show, virtual tourism is here. We'll talk about how traditional go-there-and-do-stuff tourism stacks up against the new proliferation of remote options for travel in Japan, most of which can be boiled down to Skyping with the tea farmer. Plus, Ali's got your weekly river cruise recommendation. Ali? Yes, Bobby, this week's recommendation is the first river cruise exclusively chartered for those who have already been vaccinated for COVID in Japan. First trip scheduled for May 2022 or wherever, really hard to tell. Plus, we'll go through the spring season's hottest river cruise accessories for a new segment we're calling Pimp My Riverboat, which is not to be confused with the Kabukicho-based waterborne brothel, My Pimp's Riverboat. But first, Soap Talk. Hey, Brian, all good? Yeah, I guess. Good stuff. Nick, you might not remember this, but you are actually the reason that Bobby and I met. You introduced me to Bobby back in the day when I was looking for charismatic and talented people to perform comedy in Japanese. So, so it's my fault. <laughs> this this whole damn podcast you got to blame fault. for. Uh, yeah, no, I I do remember. I do rem- I remember very well. And uh, you and you and Bobby worked a lot together. I did some work with you. We mm-hmm. back at the time there was a. Loads going on. Yeah, we all worked or together the, for the 200th episode party at Fukuoka Now, right? That's right. That's right. I, that was, um, when was that? It was in 2015? 15, I think. Yeah, I remember to there. publicize it, you had us in sumo suits outside Yes, the that was a lot of fun. It that's was right. really we got fun. Those huge really sumo fun. suits. And you guys were in the newspaper for that, right? Remember that's we had right. A, a newspaper came and covered that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was, um, it was, I think, the 200th issue of Fukuoka Now was, was the occasion, but we had a big event called Nippon Now. And yes. we had all kinds well, of um, Japanese sort of theme entertainment. And we had, um, 
was it a、uh, sunshine? Well, thank you very、Great. much for the old days. Yeah. 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 No, not at all. Not at all. Look at us now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm honored. I'm so honored that you remembered me and, and actually、uh, had, having well, me on your podcast. If we're doing it, my first ever job in the industry I got through Nick.、Uh, Nick put a classified ad in、uh, Fukuoka Now for extras to be in,、uh, to be in a House Ten Bosch. Filmed commercial. No, no, it was, it was a it wig was a commercial. Famous Japanese, yeah, a famous yeah. Japanese actress. Manda Hisako.、Uh, and, yeah. And、uh, you were, so we had, I think, we, I casted about 20 foreigners in that job. And I think you, you, were, you came out at the very top. You got like the main role. You were well, walking I, down. I, I got、Dimbles. to walk and have her walk past me. Did not know about this. <laughs> this changes But,、uh, everything. But no, I, I used that weekend to、uh, meet the people who had introduced me to the first agency that I ever got into in Japan. It was、right. literally the launch of my entertainment career. Wow, that's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't realize、well, that we were bringing Nick on to blow smoke up his ass, but I'm quite enjoying it. I'm really well, no, I, I, glad, to, hey, glad to be here. Holly, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me. Let me、uh, get back to that party because it was,、um, mm. it was Nippon no Hi, but it was.、Uh, Bunka no Hi. Bunka no Hi. That's right. It was Bunka on Bunka no Hi. Bunka no hi. The, the, the party was called Nippon Now because our play on us, Fukuoka Now. Yeah. We called it Nippon Now because it's on Bunka no Hi. And we had all kinds of Japanese theme、uh, entertainment. And I remember that right around then it was、uh, the 200th episode. And I was confused and、uh, called it the 20 year anniversary, which actually. Now is much closer、mm. to the 20th anniversary,、Correct. wouldn't it be? Correct. Yeah. The、uh, magazine started in 1998 and、uh, we published monthly. It's a free paper、uh, until last year, until、uh, 2020 April. And then, due to the pandemic, yeah, there wasn't much point putting out a printed magazine, was there? Yeah, so、uh, we're, we're on hold now. I wouldn't say it's the last issue. I don't say Fukuoka now is not done. Uh, print wise, but、uh, we haven't published since April. In the meantime, we, we continue to publish on, on the web and also on social media. So that was for Coca then. Just a little joke there. <laughs> but but I, I noticed, even in the time that, that I was in Japan, the magazine、mm. made a bit of a transition from、mm. having its attention first and foremost at the local residents. To, mm. to really trying to provide、Correct. value for foreign tourists. You know,、Correct. you even were putting articles in, in Korean and, 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 and Chinese.、Correct. Presumably, that was in response to the huge surge in tourism in the area. Well, there's a couple pivots that we had. We started in 1998, and it was English and Japanese, and mostly for foreign residents,、uh, which there weren't that many of. And that's why it was also in Japanese, because we also you know, spoke to the, the Koksaijin, internationally minded Japanese. And then that went on for a while. But then what happened is, is the net, internet, and social media. And then we started losing our advertising、uh, revenue from the local bars and so on and so forth. So、uh, things got kind of tight there. And we, we did our first pivot. We went to English and Korean because this is before this sort of inbound boom. There were still a lot of Koreans, or not still, there were a lot of Koreans coming. So we actually went to English and Korean format for a year or so. But then there was, I think, a What was the, 
a domestic market for their product too, mm. and or those that could pivot are the only ones really that that, that are still surviving. Well, we're, we're we're pivoting. Yeah, I mean, we we have a uh, as I said way back, we started uh, you know providing information to uh, local foreigners and international Japanese. So that still exists, um, but it doesn't really have the advertising um, support. Uh, So what we've done is we've pivoted to uh, video and we started a new project on January 1st, actually called Kyushu Live, which we are um, doing sort of, I guess, we don't build them as virtual tours. However, um, people can use them that way. And we have already been commissioned by uh, Kumamoto City, for example, to produce a uh, a specific uh, program or, as you will, a virtual tour of that city. And uh, yeah, that's going really well. I'm enjoying it as well, too. And this is not, I mean, you guys aren't the only ones who are doing this. There are places all over Japan that are mm. uh, doing more remote travel guides, remote tourism, remote experiences and things like this. In fact, I caught a right. Love FM segment um, that our friend Anna was doing the other day mm-hmm. uh, where she mentioned Kyushu Live, which you do. And she also mm-hmm. mentioned uh, Glocal Bus, that yeah. we've that crazy bus store company that they hired me a while back to host an online tour of a, of a town in Kumamoto for a group of mm-hmm. people from England. And this radio segment uh, talked mm. about two instances of virtual tourism, both yeah. which I was a part of, because I also got to mm. be on a guest, uh, I also got to be your guest on yeah. Kyushu Live. That's right, on the Imagiku episode. Yeah, that was fun. Um, yeah, no, I, I think uh, the virtual tours, I mean, it really comes down to uh, how, how they're executed. I mean, some of them are good and some of them are, are, are not, no doubt about that. Um, but as I say, we, we started Kyushu Live not so much for tourism so much as just as a way to connect with fans of Kyushu, people who previously lived in Kyushu, people who have visited Kyushu, people who are thinking of coming to Kyushu. And, um, you know, I like the idea that how we do it, we do it live. So it's it's direct, it's real. Of course, we, we prepare before we go out on a walk. We do a little research. So we have some real knowledge and, and information to share. But, Bobby, we that's show... an interesting idea, isn't it? Like preparing for preparing content for creation show? before a show. <laughs> you could try it, Ollie. You that's could try interesting, it. Isn't it? I'm in yeah. favor of that idea. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a try. Give it a try. Yeah, no, so we do that, but not too much. Uh, so while we're walking around, things, you know, pop up. Uh, obviously, it depends on the weather and, and maybe you bump into someone. So it's it's got that sort of, you know, element of surprise and, and live. Yeah, uh, but, but it's interesting that the two types of virtual tourism, which Bobby mentioned, both of which he was involved in, one is kind of very direct. It, it, it's kind of a designated class of people that have booked to go on a tour and yours mm. is is kind of more general to, to a wider audience of mm. people not only watching the live stream but also watching on catch up after but both of them are free the one that i participated in was booked for free i got paid to do it but since mm. it was free i'm wondering where they got that money from and the question Quite. i have about virtual tourism overall is mm. as a substitute for a tourism right. economy where do you go with it how do you monetize it? a business yeah uh, good question. Good question. Well, tell you what is um, what we're doing right now with the, the current series of Kyushu Live, where we're just going around different parts of Fukuoka and different parts of Kyushu, uh, sixty to ninety minutes at a time, and you know the narration, all that. We're not really we're not trying to monetize it right now. We're just trying to build uh, an audience uh, again of fans of Kyushu. That's what we're trying to find. And then oh, the business model for to, uh, cocaine. 
<laughs> no, 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 no. Well, um, the, what the business model is, we're going to come out with another series of edited videos where we're we're going to try to introduce, um, you know, products from Kyushu, products and services and, and so yeah. forth. So that will be a second. And so the idea is to build up, um, as I say, a fan base. So from what I've heard and seen of other places that are also doing the same thing is that there's kind of two approaches here. One, like you said, is to connect products. So mm. the places that say, you know, get a virtual tour group out to your local area and show them mm. the local products, all the stuff that people might normally buy as omiyage, as souvenirs right. if they actually went there, make it available for them to buy online and try to monetize mm -hmm. it that way. Which to me, just in terms of numbers, seems like a not the best substitute for actually mm. getting people to come through. But is there mm. is there a chance that the other way of monetizing this is through kind of a form of long-term marketing, generating uh, awareness of a place? Yeah, I, no, I think exactly. I think that's, um, so we're hoping that, you know, other, I say we had uh, one job already from Kumamoto City. Um, we hope from other parts of Kyushu that, you know, want to have, um, their areas, you know, get some exposure for them. They, they might hire us to do a Kyushu Live episode uh, from from there. So, yeah. Can I just say as a longtime content creator how great it is to hear that somebody doesn't want to hire me because I'll get exposure. <laughs> they want to hire me to get them exposure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, one thing I do want to tag on here, though, is because you just said, you know, um, the, the long format right yeah yeah that's i think also another key thing yeah if it's, we do the 60 90 minutes of walking around an area of town or something like that it's a long time but it's enough time where you can really get into details and uh you know and and have a conversation either with myself or i'm having guests on as well too bobby was on an episode and i've had some japanese architects come on <laughs> yeah um so yeah it's it's, it's interesting. I watched the one you did with the architect because you went around my old stomping ground. Daimyo? Or in Hakozaki. 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 Well, actually, Daimyo is, a, is another old stomping ground of mine. But yeah, Hakozaki. And uh, mm. I think that for someone who's watching these videos who's never been to Japan, right, and mm. who eventually goes, they're bound to enjoy it more when they're there. Right. If you've if you really have spent an hour looking at this scenery in this mm. in this kind of detail, it is going to be a better experience. And I do wonder whether, you know, is the future of this stuff you know, that is the product, right? The, the product stops at watching the video. Or is this like part of a, a much broader uh, kind of spectrum of touch points that a tourist mm. is going to have where they watch mm. the video, then later go, then later see that artisan which they watched a video about. Mm. Maybe they've already bought his scissors and had them shipped to their country. And they, you know, do, do you see that as the, as, as the future of travel, this kind of hybrid model? Yeah, I think the fact that um, at least the way we do it is, is live and uh, yeah, sort of natural, sort of uh, honest, straight up. Um, I think people, they, I think the narration and, and the, what we what we introduce, I say we walk down the street, but we are selecting what we show and what we talk about. I think that has a lot to do with it. <laughs> it's not just, that. here's a 7-Eleven, here's, here's a family bar. No, There's another no, it, 7 isn't. it isn't. There's another family exactly. bar. Exactly. Here's a manhole. 
<laughs> you know, we, yeah. we don't we don't do things like that. Um, we we try to tie things in and give some background. What's happening in the yeah. city, for example? You know, the 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 governor is is now you know hospitalized, and there's going to be an election coming up, or you know, things that building codes change in Fukuoka, and some redevelopments going on, and this and that. We give sort of information and story that, as someone like myself who's been here for over thirty years in the city, can do. And, and the guests that I have on have knowledge and so forth. So I think it's it's a little bit different than someone bumbling around with just a, a camera. Yeah. Um, I like to think of it very different of that. So and what we're doing is we're building up a catalog as well too, different areas. We already have 28 episodes and uh, I hope to do um, two a week. So that's that will be 100 this yeah. in, in one year. You know, If you can't monetize this through tourists, have you considered just selling this footage to Google Maps? Because you're basically oh. going to document the whole place by the end year, aren't you? <laughs> Right. Well, I'd yeah. like to bring you back to what Nick was saying about this idea that it's a long format and that it's yeah. more in-depth than just somebody walking around with their selfie stick and doing a live stream. Because it does remind me of this idea of kind of like micro-influencing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times when people are looking for social media advertising, they find that they get more uh, effective advertising from a smaller influencer who has 200 followers who will actually listen to them than somebody who has 200,000. Hey, wait, I might mm. be an influencer mm. then. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best day of my life. But I think my, my point with that is that, you know, if you've got mm. a 90 minute or a 60 to 90 minute show that by the time you get to the end of it, you know that the people who are watching it are right. invested. Yeah. They're dedicated yeah, invested, yeah. and they're, yeah. they might be called to action more easily. But I guess if this is popping up as kind of a replacement for people who are interested in Japan and would like to come to Japan but can't right now, what do you do to make virtual tourism a competitive option against like the Netflix samurai documentary or the Tom mm. Cruise samurai documentary? Or well, I don't. I don't think you can. I don't think it will compete with that. It is just different. But, you know, myself, uh, I think uh, one of the last uh, overseas travels that I, that I made was like Sri Lanka. And I did. I turned to YouTube, you know, because I did this, the, uh, the guidebooks, I could get a certain amount of information out of that. And I always used guidebooks. Uh, but um, seeing the, uh, being able to glean through the video and even amateur uh, videos as well, too, I, I think it's... I think it's for that. I don't think it's a replacement for um, for other kinds of entertainment. Um, however, I since I've like I actually when before I started doing it myself, this sort of like live stream walking through towns. Uh, I first I thought I'm not going to watch that. I didn't think I would be interested in that, but. Now I have started looking at them and, and things like, you know, going through Lisbon, you know, I'm not even going, you know, no plans to go to Lisbon, but I've seen some well-produced ones and we put it on like, you know, without sound uh, over dinner or, you know, while mm. doing something else, just like how people are enjoying podcasts, yeah. right? They have it sort of in the background. No, that's not true, Nick. <laughs> our, lis- our listeners have not dedicated listening time in the calendar. They're giving right? us their full and under... Hey, Brian. Hey, stop. Brian, stop. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, now now we now we got their attention, but it's interesting because it kind of changes the idea of what a tourist is, right? Mm. This this really does speak to a, a kind of a philosophical question of what what is a tourist doing? Are they looking to understand a place? Are they looking to collect experiences? Is is the end game just to say, yeah, I've gone, look at the shit I've brought back with me? Mm. And th- these kind of live streams, right, where you're having these these very very close relationships with the cities and also merchants and hotels who are looking to sell to tourists. It does create an interesting dividing line, doesn't it, between documentaries which are there, you know, say produced by the bigger players who are there just to document or, you know, create beautiful footage 
and these smaller things where there's really close relationships often between local municipalities, tourism offices, cities, merchants. And I don't think it's a bad thing. You know, I, I think it's a good thing mm. that you know, there's, th- there's money, right? And the money's yeah. going to come from somewhere. But does that change the nature of the content that you're producing? And I'm not just talking about your live streams, but also, you know, your, mm. your For Call Canal stuff as well. Well, commercializing anything will change uh, change things pretty quickly. Um, right now, we I say Kyushu Live, it isn't you know it isn't monetized at all really right now, and and that's something that you know we're enjoying actually the fact that we we can do it whenever we want to. We even don't have a schedule. I said twice a week, but we don't know what day or what time. Uh, we do put an announcement up ahead, but um, we aren't doing it in a commercial way right now. And and like I say, I'm enjoying that. Um, I don't think we will do it do it that way. I think it's goes back to how Bobby says, um, we're just trying to get people to in, enjoy um, Fukuoka and Kyushu through our, our medium um, in a broader sense. So yeah. we're not really commercializing it. No. And even if you do end up commercializing it, uh, as Ali described, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I don't think having no, to agree. incorporate those... I think that actually might be an area that can provide something that other forms of Japan-based entertainment or or travel shows or travel documentaries can't provide in the sense that it provides an opportunity for interaction with people on a local level. mm, mm. I made the joke at the top about how you know, currently virtual tourism and its different iterations in Japan can be boiled down to Skyping with the tea farmer. But in talking (laughs) to the people who participated in that, uh, that tour from London, that was what they were looking for. That was what they wanted to do, was to have an opportunity to talk with local people or interact with local people. And they might not even be doing that much interacting with local people if they were here on the ground as a tourist. It might be that these online services offer a better opportunity Mm, to do that in in a way. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Often tourists do. The most they interact with locals is, you know, Mm. if if the local is working as a cashier in a pharmacy or... Mm. Yeah, checking Mm. into the Mm. hotel or, yeah, serving them at a restaurant. Maybe that is the future. Maybe the future of tourism is you kind of build relationships before you go. Now, um, I'm not ashamed to say back in the day when when I was a a, a young and good-looking boy, I would use Tinder, right? But I'd pay for the feature where you can swipe before you go to a country. So when I was touring, I realized there's no point in matching and meeting someone like that week. If I was only in the country for two weeks, right? It all seemed very forced Mm. and very pressurized. So what I'd do is I'd like match with people a month before, make a couple of friends. Then when I'm there, like all the kind of the the hard work's been done in that you filtered out people that aren't interested in you and you're not interested in them. And so you can kind of hit the ground running. And Mm. maybe there are parallels here, too, that you can kind of curate your itinerary of Japan well before you go. And by the time you do eventually go to that tea farmer's farm and he's pouring you a cup of tea, you've already had a conversation with them. Mm. You've already read about them. You know, your experience on the ground is going to be. You've already exchanged dick pics. (laughs) Precisely. (laughs) Precisely. Uh, So, Nick, I'm not suggesting that. you might play a part in exchanging dick pics, but you know, you've done enough pivots, we can never be sure. But what part do you think organizations like yours might play in, in creating these kind of long form, really meaningful travel experiences in the future? No, that's what we want to do for sure. And uh, I, I like the idea of um, being able to speak with people on the street and, and or with 
either merchants or service providers or, you know, so and so forth. The thing about what we're doing, though, is that it's live. And if it's live, you know, um, just putting a camera or microphone in front of somebody all of a sudden is is kind of difficult, right? Mm. Difficult or has some difficult uh, problems with it. So it's kind of tricky. Um, what we're going to be doing is uh, if we have a, a planned walk or, or course is we will arrange in advance, say, hey, we're going to stop by this sake shop and we'll do a little tasting here. So yeah, we have a way to work around that. We do want to do that. But I agree that yeah, getting people's uh, local people involved in it will be a, a good thing. Yeah, I totally agree that there's a lot of potential here and that there are a lot of positive things that have already come out of this and could come out of this. But I think it would be a little bit disingenuous to pretend that this is ideal, to not acknowledge mm. the fact that this is like, a stopgap measure. Yeah, yeah, we've avoided saying this has been born out of a complete yeah. crisis. And we've seen it. We've seen it so many times in so many different forms. So we've joked on the show in the past right. about how, like, there was a full three months last year where every single business in Japan pivoted to introducing takeout options. Like literally sure. every single sure, business, sure. they pivoted so hard yeah, well, they fell into the river. Uh, kikake, ne? That's uh, that's the the uh, the reason for the pivot. And when borders open up again, hmm. how do you think? inbound tourism to Japan will will bounce back? How do you think it will move forward? Well, I think it will bounce back real quick. I mean, as quick as they, uh, as quickly as they can allow people into the country, people are you know dying to come back to Japan. Um, but you know, I'm as much as I've, our business is involved in and supported by you know tourism dollars. Um, I'm not really that into tourism myself. You know, I'm more worried about over tourism. You're more into the dollars. And, uh, <laughs> uh, more than dollars, yes, <laughs> and not the tourism part. <laughs> no, I'm um, I'm more into the sustainable style of tourism, and so I'm hoping that when things reset, uh, that there's going to be a rethink at different levels uh, from local governments and and um, and operators as well too. Again, it's going to be a, a I think that people are even more starved for to to earn to earn money. So I don't know what's going to happen. It could be worse than. Um, than how it was before. I hope not. But there is something on the horizon, something that I've become involved with called adventure tourism. And it's a style of tourism, um, which is, I guess, popular with uh, people in Western countries, Europe and uh, in North America and Australia and so forth. And what it means is these are people who travel for longer periods of time, two, three week holidays. And they like to do something that, you know, practice a hobby or some of these either could be skiing or hiking or whatever it is in a different country. And uh, so they tend to spend uh, quite a bit of money and a lot of time and they go deeper into the country and lower impact and more benefit to the local areas. Yeah, so. I've heard about that as well. There's adventure tourism where you can stay for like three weeks to a couple of months. And then there's extreme adventure tourism, which is, is what Ollie's doing. It's where you stay in Malaysia for over a year. <laughs> 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 I'm playing this game on elite level. <laughs> yeah. Actually, but there's no bigger adventure than uh, than trying to enter Japan as a tourist now. <laughs> hey, thanks very much for listening to this episode 75 of Japan by River Cruise. If you enjoyed the show, then please subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to it. We release a new show every Friday. And if you really enjoyed the show, God bless you. Then go to japanbyrivercruise.com and enter your email address where we'll spam you once a month with an email with all the best bits from the show and some exclusive bonus content. Thank you to our guest this week, Nick Zaz. Nick, we will get you back as soon as we can. And in the meantime, we'll look forward to the next episode of Kyushu Live. Thanks, Bobby. Thanks, Ollie. Yeah, I'd love to do another show. And in the meantime, 
check out Kyushu Live and look for the Bobby Judo episode when he walked around Imajuku with me. And、uh, yeah, we do two episodes every week, and we'll, next time we'll be doing a live stream from Kagoshima very soon, so check it out. We will. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next week.